0: Welcome to Season 6 of the Fireman Trainers Podcast, Episode 2, published on September 12th, 2023. We are part of the ConcealedCarry.com network family of podcasts. This episode, we'll be talking with Chris Gricey about options to consider in purchasing or recommending safes. Sit back and relax for this week's interesting episode designed to help your training business. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fireman Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. And remember, listeners of this podcast can get 10% off on their polish by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by LASR Classic Trainer. Break the 180-degree plane by using LASR to set up a realistic shooting scenario for yourself or with others. Dry fire practice is used by professionals all the time, so why not introduce the benefits of it to your students? Use LASR Classic to reach students who may not have a firearm or when a range is not close. Use LASR to help break students anticipating a shot. Have the students practice engaging multiple targets in their house or place of business. LASR is easy to set up and tear down because all you need is a Windows laptop with a webcam to use it. That allows you to set up anywhere you can take your laptop. The application also works with any laser device, from laser cartridges you put in your firearm to dedicated laser trainers. LASR is vendor-owned and operator. Find out more information at lasapp.com and receive a 10% discount for listening to this podcast by using discount code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every farm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Chris Greasy from Practical Guardian. Welcome, Chris, and thank you for taking time uh, to talk to our audience tonight.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it.
0: Before we jump into our topic for the night, can you give our listeners a little bit about who uh, Chris Greise is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my background, um, currently uh, I serve as a law enforcement officer for uh, a small department here in the uh, north central Indiana. Um, That's not always been my background. I actually came to law enforcement late in life. So my background actually is in technology, uh, primarily for the vast majority of it, it was healthcare technology. Um, so I know those two don't mix, uh, but it's fun how we get to where we are. I've always had a passion for trying to help others and serve others and uh working as an officer was always a, a dream of mine. So that's my full-time gig right now. Um and then uh part-time, I uh I teach. I have my company, as you mentioned, the practical guardian. Uh I teach primarily that, uh small um one-on-one sessions or some small groups here in Indiana, and then I travel around mostly with that. I have the opportunity to teach with a, uh, a really come really good company and a company that invested in me before there was such a thing as the practical guardian or even instructor Chris. Um, and that's called Malk training Institute. So they really helped mature me as a person, as a shooter, and then as an instructor, uh, helping me understand the beginnings of that. So I teach as a senior instructor for that company. They're out of Southern Indiana and I do a lot of teaching with them. Uh, I, we also have a a local indoor range here in Lafayette that, uh, which is where I live, Lafayette, Indiana, that um, I I work pretty closely with and I teach some classes with them. Um, When I'm not doing the teaching thing, uh, I like a lot of us, I'm a training junkie. So you'll see me taking some training. Uh, And then I am, as of January this year, I am a newly engaged man. So I'm looking forward to, um, to marriage next year to my wife and, and that type of thing. So that's just a little bits about me, uh, personal and professional as far as Chris is concerned.
0: Well, congratulations on that. And, uh, let us know how that goes next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Do you want to announce a date and we'll have a whole bunch of your closest friends from the podcast show? Yeah, there we go. Well, <laughs> uh, assuming that everything
1: works out. Yeah. September 28th. So, um, just bring ammo as a gift and you'll be fine. I'm good with that. You know? <laughs>
0: That's a pretty expensive gift these days, you know?
1: <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> Ain't as cheap now as now it used long. to be. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: hey, Chris, uh ha- have you on tonight because one of the things that's I think is really kind of important uh, for all instructors, all gun owners, um, is safe storage. And one of the things when it comes to safe storage is a safe selection because many of us don't live in um you know, places where we can just lock up the entire house and, you know, our houses aren't like Fort Knox. Um, our cars aren't, aren't like tanks to where, you know, the, the person who tries to break into them has a hard time. You know, anybody who's determined to get into a house and get into a car, but at the same time, we as responsible gun owners need to make sure that we're doing something besides leaving the guns on the, uh, on top of the refrigerator um you know on you know behind the tv you know in the glove compartment those types of things because you know criminals will be criminals and they'll do they will do things in order to get to guns so we want to talk about safe so the first question what kind of safe types are out there for different peoples and purposes
1: yeah i mean there's a huge that's a good question and there's such a huge category it's almost like guns like you can just get lost in this so there's all sorts of different safes from uh you mentioned cars. So there's little, small, almost individual safes that you could uh use cable uh cable tie cords, you know, that are hard to be cut or something like that, secure them into your vehicle somewhere. Um, Not impossible
0: to cut, just hard to cut, which what you're exactly. trying to do here is you're trying to slow them down so that yep. somebody can, you know, call nine one one or you can or you can call nine one one when you see somebody breaking your car and they just can't, you know, grab and dash. Type of thing. Amen.
1: Absolutely. You've got bedside safes. Um, usually, again, that's for for your immediate access. And we're not talking about 17 guns in that. Um, you, then then we move into something more classic. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of others that we don't think about. But you move into something that more classic, that you, maybe a gun cabinet. So we've all seen those, especially growing up. Uh, a lot of those get very nice wood and some glass in there. But not necessarily, there's a lock on it, but not necessarily what we would think of as safe from burglars you know still a smash and grab thing you get what sometimes i think of as gun cabinets um or we joking off podcast like um it's not the biggest best thing in the world uh so it's a very thin gauge steel it's not insulated but it locks up my guns maybe has a shelf or two or maybe a hanger and it works and it's something that's a step up and then step up from there um you have safes that are dramatically engaged with uh with fire ratings uh, and then, I mean, just on throughout, you can literally it's fun to see the YouTube videos of people who have built safe rooms, gun vaults <laughs> out of rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. when when we look at when we look at safes doing some some research and checking on things, there's there's actually ratings that a lot of times as we as we start to think about true gun safes that are out there. And primarily, I'm sure there's some outliers, but we look at three, different types of ratings. One is B as in boy, or more appropriately, B as in burglary. So it's a rating to deal with um, burglary, not safe, uh, as in not safe from burglary. Nobody can get into it, but just doesn't meet a certain level. Um, And by definition, the industry, it's very vague. It's not actually uh, a safe rating that is underwriter, limiters, limited. It's not an industry standard, I should say. There's not you can point to it and say it passed this, this and this test. It's a very general mm-hmm. uh, thing and it's more of a, more of a company-wide hey I can say that this is this thing as opposed to independently verified by an outside entity. Uh, once you go past that, you go to RSC or residential security container um, and, and by that point they start putting in standards. Uh, so things like the door has to be at least three18ths of an inch thick. It has to have at least 12 gauge metal and it has to have, it has to be able to withstand five or more, but a minimum of five minutes of tools ready, meaning the tools are right there. They don't, robbers don't have to go get them. The tools are right there. Uh it has to withstand five minutes or more of them with the tools right there breaking it. Um, so that's a, that's the base level of that. And then you go up in levels where instead of five minutes, it's 10 minutes. And instead of, uh five 10 minutes is 10 minutes with two people working on it. Um and then the next level uh is a TL rating once you go from up from this uh RSC. So TL has some of the some of the same things, but it's higher level. So now it's 15 minutes or more with that tools ready right there. Um or even one of the highest ones that I saw is TL30 and that's 30 minutes. Uh so you've got multiple people working on this with the tools all right there. Um, but I mean, just, you know, the ratings indicate how hard it is to break into things. And I think you might've touched on this earlier, how hard it is to break into things or how hard it is to get the stuff, not can they never get the things right. And I think that's a huge, uh, I'm sure we'll touch on it. Probably you and I will both say this again, but I think that's a huge thing that we just need to accept and acknowledge very early on, just like firearms, we all agree with firearms uh, that that is a tool, a defensive tool, and it's very important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. I know we have talked about on, on this, and you've been in classes, I've been in classes with you and other things, where we talk about other tools, whether it's a taser device, like an electronic, uh, you know, an, an e-device or something of that nature, um, or an OC sprayer. They're all tools, and this, a safe is a tool. Uh, it's a, It needs to be part of a multi-layer approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so it merely buys you time. Um, and there's different ways as you're thinking about your house and your layout and whatever's going on.
0: Yeah, I think oh, one of the big things you've got a gun owners need to you know, think about is what are they protecting it from? Because if they're protecting it from their little kids, you know, it's one level of security. For sure, if, if they're trying to go along, and protect it from the home burglar, that's probably a different level of security. And, you know, they've got moderate number of guns. If they're going along and trying to protect the family jewels, you know, because they got, you know, $10 yes. million dollars worth of guns or diamonds or gold, whatever, whatever they have, that's a whole nother level. And at the same time, the amount that you're going to pay, you know, for that TL30 rating is probably going to be exponentially more than that sheet metal uh, uh locker that you can go along and buy buy at most sporting goods uh, stores and such and you know easily pick up and and move but again you're you've got to figure out what you're trying to do if you've get, just got a simple you know uninsulated sheet uh sheet metal kind of uh, gun gun locker then if there's a fire in your house your guns whatever you have in there is going to be toast but at the same time guess what your five-year-old kid won't be able to get into it And, you know, that, that could be worth a lot, you know, just having that, just having that peace of mind. But if you put your family jewels in there and they end up melting down or burning up and different things like that, you know, that would, you know, that might not be the right, but at the same time, you look at what you're trying to protect, you know, you, you know, you're protecting it, getting guns ammo, uh, you know, knives, whatever you're going to put in it out of the hands of people that shouldn't have them, you know, that could be young like, kids that could be, you know, family members that are not the most reliable. That could be, you know, elderly people that are, you know, that have, you know, some problems or it could be that criminal who might break into your house. And those yeah. are all things that we as responsible gun owners need to go along and look at and think about and, um, you know, be responsible, you know, realize that we've got that responsibility on our shoulders.
1: I absolutely agree. And I think you bring up a uh, a really good thing that we need to be evaluating for ourselves. So you said, you know, it is it for guns or is it to keep something I didn't know that is it to keep something out of the hands of kids versus a burglar? Um what what do we need? Why do we need is is a, a super important uh topic. Um we really need to look at just like we're overarching thinking about that it's a, it's part of a security concept. It's part of taking care of mm-hmm. the security of the, of the firearms or whatever jewels, important documents. Um, we need to consider that it's an investment. Uh, it's an investment in whatever the things that we're wanting to take care of are. And as you mentioned, sometimes the things that we want to take care of are not always the things inside it. It's the things outside, like our children, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, the, the, the kids that we have from the neighborhood that our kids might play with, you know, keeping them safe. Uh, you, we talked off off camera about boy scouts and things like that to make sure that we're teaching those that we're trying to help invest in their lives, the understanding of things, but also keep them safe as a holistic approach to firearm safety. Uh, mm-hmm. I think those are all things we need to think about. And then on that topic in the same manner. I think it's important that we not just think about just the firearms, just the safe, but we also need to, we need to evaluate ourselves what we need. Let's, I mean, let's be honest, you and me, we can sit here and be like, well, I, I really need a 48 gun safe because even if I don't have 48 guns, I'm going to have 48 (laughs) guns at some point. And like I said, I have a fiance now, so she uh, absolutely, as part of that gets a say in things Um, I have, uh, I'm biased, but I have the most wonderful person with me. So she'd probably be like, yeah, go ahead and get a gun. That's fine. Um, but but we do have to just run those by choices. Just
0: leave enough people. room for her guns, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yep. Um, but that's something, too, when we talk about firearms. So, so I joke about the 48-gun safe. Man, really quickly, if anybody's ever bought a safe, and especially when you get to the point where they're saying it's an X-gun safe, it's a 24-gun safe, it's an 18-gun safe and really quickly i don't know what type of guns those are but that is never accurate when you buy the safe cuz i don't know how they fit their 28 guns in there they're 24 but i can never do it it's like a four person tent and i was like yeah if it's for 12 year olds maybe but this is a two real <laughs> person tent you know it's you have to think about that when you're talking about your specifically your firearm safes or your gun safes if it says 24 don't assume that it's going to fit 24 firearms
0: yeah that my scopes of my rifles i know yes. mess that up quite a bit because uh yeah if i could stack them you know on top of one another i probably could get the number but yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm uh probably about six or seven shy of the capacity for yeah. it. Got plenty of room for pistols but for the uh rifles and shotguns yeah the um <clears throat> they don't use the same the, they don't use the same gauge when they're uh, setting those up than what the average person does.
1: And we we're joking. You're absolutely right. And we're joking about it, you know, about getting more guns and things like that. But as we train, we learn what we do and what we don't like, what's effective for our purposes. Maybe something new that we really need to learn about. So maybe, uh, you're, somebody not really, uh, invested a whole lot in the gospel of the gauge and they're just learning about shotguns. And after they do, maybe they took one of your classes, uh, and they're like, wow, after talking with Rob and learning from him, I really need to get a shotgun. Mm-hmm. So as part of a safe, are you accounting for the growth of your collection or the growth of uh, things that you're going to put into there? And again, mm-hmm. not just guns, um, important documents, uh, whether it's, you know, things, the things you to want to uh,
0: keep safe. I mean, if you, yeah. if you're prone to burglary, you know, bad part of town, you might, Lock up your, you know, your your iPad or different things along those lines in a safe perfect. because the people that are breaking in aren't going to be armed with tools to break into the safe, but they will, you know, take smash and grab whatever they can off your, your off your coffee table and different things like that when you're not at home because they see you leave.
1: Absolutely perfect so per- and absolutely correct.
0: Yep. And here's something else that I've uh, got a friend for uh, that reminded me about it. Make sure whatever you get that you can get in your house. And point being friend went out and bought uh, the the jumbo safe, you know, the 48 gun safe, wanted to put in the basement and guess what? It couldn't make the turn to go down the stairs. (laughs) So that safe until he moved was out in his garage because that's the only place that, you know, his wife would let him keep it. You know, it wasn't going to stay in the dining room, but it was just, just one of those things to where, you know, he paid a professional moving company and they looked at it and it's like, yeah, this is too wide to make the turn on his uh, stairs because it had a landing on the stairs and it. And those are things to consider. He didn't have a basement door to bring it in or anything along those lines.
1: It's, it's things that we get sort of blindsided by, but you're absolutely right. Um, that's something else to factor into your cost of things is a professional mover. You know, we jokingly be like pizza and beer and a bunch of buddies. Well, you know, these things at some point that doesn't work so well. And I had a friend um, who, thankfully, this story nobody was hurt in, but did that whole thing with a significant gun safe. We're talking, you know, 1,500, 2,000 pounds. So a large safe Um, and credit to him and his guys were able to get it into the house. It was going downstairs into a basement, um, uh, you know, not fully finished, but a, a basement that they knew was safe, dry, all those things. And what they didn't take into account was the weight and the sturdiness of getting it down there. And they got it two steps, two to three steps down the stairs going into the basement, and those stairs gave way. And not only did the safe fall down and the stairs are gone, but that safe uh, connecting with all of its energy actually damaged his foundation of his house there in the basement. So you got to take care of that, and they got to take care of a safe that's all dunged up and binged up. And yeah, so all these things are part of that when we talk about thinking about how's it going to work. I live in an apartment I rent right now. Um, And it's a God bless my landlords. I love them, but uh, it's also an older house. Like this house is originally like 1902 or something. Um, I love the house. It's got character and everything, but to your point, it doesn't work the same way. I can't put a 2000 pound safe in the same spot that something else will. Mm -hmm. And I can't alter doorways. A because it's a historic house, you know, I can't just start moving stuff and and remodeling it. And B because it's not mine, you know. And, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that will be in that. Not everybody is going to be in the house situation, and and so how do how, you have to look at those things for your needs as well?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about needs, here, here's one that uh, that we can talk about a little bit is access to it because obviously you as the gun owner, gun safe owner, you need to have access. But you also need to go along and have some heart-to-heart conversations with spouses, with other people that are that are in the house about, you know, are they going to have access to it? Or are they not going to have access to it? Because uh, that's one of those situations to where, what you know, what would what would happen if you weren't home and your 12 year old kid was home alone? Do you want them to access it? you know, when they turn 16, 18, if you've got a, you know, live in uh, partner, do you trust them enough to give them the combination to, uh, to it? Um, you know, those types of things, you know, we've all got family members. And if you don't have a family member that hasn't come to you at some point saying, Hey, can you store this for me? you're in a you're in a lucky family because i've been asked several times by family members hey can you hold hold on to something and it yep. you know it was guns it was furniture it was all kinds of stuff but bottom line comes down to it is are you going to hold it for them or are you going to give them a combination so they can come over and grab whenever, whenever they want to again one of those things where you've got to uh, think about it because access to it isn't it is there's a lot of combinations for it because we've got the normal dial that, er, that everybody's used to seeing on safes and, and such. And that's great. The only problem is, is guess what those mechanical dials, you can't change combination easily. Yeah. Correct. For. You're
1: absolutely correct. It and is a, you, it is a chore. Um, yeah.
0: And you know, then you got the key. Well, you know, the combination you can give to anybody, but again, you can't undo the combination easily if you know it's like i don't you know that person i don't want to get in the gun safe anymore and then you got the key well the keys you know most of the keys are no copy kind of keys so it's, you've got to go back to the manufacturer get uh, get duplicates of them and you know even there you've got to have the key with you if you're going to have access to the safe and again it depends on the style of the safe and the size depends upon which ones of these will work um there's also the, the electronic combination okay. for yep. it and those are great because I can program a number for me. I can program a number for you. I, you know, some of them are even Wi-Fi enabled that will go along and say, Hey, somebody accessed your safe, you know, this person yep. with the code. So you, you've got very tight control on it. The yep. downside to that is guess what? They run by batteries and if the battery goes out, you are stuck literally. Yeah. And you know, th- those, those are the, you know, those, those are some of the things to, to keep in mind because yeah, I love technology but i've also had problems where my hands have gotten a little bit dirty or scratched up from work and my phone doesn't like to read my fingerprint anymore.
1: That's a great um, example.
0: Yeah. You know, what do you, what do you do? You know, how do you
1: yeah. get get into it? Um and you bring or, up you bring up a really good point on all these different things. So, um I, not only just the different what's the different technology? What's the different options, but how am I going to use those options? Like you said, do I give the combo out to a bunch of people? Can I, and that's one of the things that you might be able to pay for is, as you mentioned, if I have the option of a, of a good electronic lock, maybe I can set different codes and therefore I don't have to worry about giving out, um, my one, you know, magic code, everything to, I can, I can have a few different for a few different people. Uh, mm-hmm. I can keep that in, in check very easily. Um, and and are all they are they all made the same? Um, you know, there's a lot of I don't want to say lower end, but less more cost effective or less cost uh, uh, safes out there, specifically gun safes. Uh, and part of that is cheaper locks, cheaper electronic locks. Um, I know of some that literally it's a housing on the electronic locks sort of the push keypad, you know, beep boop, boop and then. I turn the handle and it opens. That's fine. But if you start to look at that housing, the housing is literally just a turn and disengage it out of a, out of its mount point. And when you do that, you could literally take it all off, see the inner workings of the electronic lock. And on top of that, some of them actually build this as a benefit thing. You can take it off real quickly. And then there's a, a key lock engagement. So should the electronics ever go down, there's a key lock engagement behind that. And that seems pretty nice, but at the same time, that's real easy to get into bits of the door already of your safe. So I got to be thinking about those things. Um, Like you said, an electronic locking, there's much better options or much better electronic locks out there too. But um, if if it fails, what are my backup options? And less and less, they're still out there, but less and less do I see a combo of a, a dial or a key with an electronic lock more and more. I see one or the other, mm-hmm, um, yeah. and even on dials, um, you know, dial locks, they te- seem to be a little bit uh, to me. I think I'm a little bit like revolvers. They're still good. They're still around. They're still effective. You just don't see them as much, mm-hmm. um, but even they, they're not foolproof. You mentioned, um, you know, you could have issues with that, or you might want to re change the combo, but even them, every so often it's a good idea to actually get them serviced because they can start to bind on you they can start to wear and you need to have the the company come out and actually clean lube the mechanism so that it works well so yeah there's all different sorts of things to think about yeah
0: know, if you've ever time. you know tried a, a combination lock that's 50 plus years old you know, probably we Anybody who's done that probably knows what it feels like where it's, it doesn't spin smoothly. It, you really yep. have to work on it a little bit more. And that's because you've got the, uh, grease that has, uh, you know, evaporated and it's become less grease and more, um, you know, sticky. And yep. that's, that's where it makes it tougher and having service. It'll cost a little bit of money, but at the same time, um, having a service call to where you gotta call somebody up and says, Hey, I can't get into my safe. Um, that's going to be an expensive call because uh you know they've got to get a hold of safe manufacturers they've got they've got to you know come in there with a lot of uh tools in order to you know work around it and at some point they may actually tell you it's like yeah it's locked up and the only thing we can do for you is drill it out and guess what you're gonna you're gonna pay them a lot of money so that they can go along get into it and you're gonna have to go along buy a new safe anyway right yeah, you know, th- think think how that feels that you've you've just pay, paid, you know, 500 bucks for them breaking your safe and then you got to spend another 1000 bucks to get a new safe because that one's all all messed
1: up. Yeah. It's it's definitely there's a lot more to think about when we when you start to drill down into it than just big old thing that keeps my whatever secured, you know.
0: Yeah. So, something to think about too. Um that I know I've I've looked into for my safes are the accessories. Because a lot of times you've got safes in closets, you got safes in basements, you got safe. You need light inside of them. That's Amen. a really good thing to have because yes. you know either that or you're going to carry around a flashlight. Also, yep. too to think uh, think about especially like you know, if it's in a basement. What about de- uh, you know dehumidifier? For yep. They make electronic ones that you can put in them. And does your safe have a plug or a punch out where you can take a plug and pull it out the side in order to put electronic uh, dehumidifier in there so it runs all the time? Yeah, you know, your, your guns my, will like it.
1: Yep, my opinion honestly is a dehumidifier. Um, I think of it like a like a sling on a rifle or a, a, a holster for a pistol. It's something that you should just build into the cost of the item and have. Uh, if if you're going to have something significant enough that we're considering some of these accessories, and as you mentioned, that'll accept an accessory. And a lot of the companies at that point have their own or have mounts and whole kits, whether it's lighting or dehumidifier. But dehumidifier should be an expense you just build into there. Yep. As you mentioned, if you have things in there, the whole point of them is protecting them and keeping them safe. It does you no good to protect them, keep them safe, and then they're all surface rusted or more because they've been super humid and you know uh what is it uh rid x or the the rid dry or whatever you know those, mm-hmm. stuff, those are great at the dollar store tell me i mean let me tell you those are those are fine except they're not you know and and you got to think there's chemicals that they are using for that process what happens if that water gets spilt inside the sink um or that that fluid where they're pulling the water
0: out yeah. well and um, also too you got to take and change them on a regular basis absolutely. They t- if they tell you you need to change them out every 90 days you better yep. change them out in 90 days or else you're gonna find out that the chemicals all of a sudden leaked and now you've got instead of having humid air you've got your guns you know because there's a pool of uh this humidified or dehumidified water in the bottom and chemical yeah. in the bottom of your gun gun yep. safes. and let's put it this one i have no idea what what all those chemicals are. I just know it's probably not going to be good for your guns.
1: Right. Yeah, I probably don't want to touch it and think of your circumstances. So, um, you know, I again, I live north central Indiana. Uh summer, we get some crazy humidity. You get all these crops around. Man, it's just humid in the air all the time. Uh, I'm probably speaking, uh, somebody's love language when I'm talking about humidity, people down in Florida are like, oh, you don't even know what's going on. We have crazy. You got to think about your environment. Uh, do you deal with an extremely dry or an extremely, uh, wet climate? Those are different things about not just what's what inside you're going to save, but where you're going to put it. Um, Mm -hmm. do I need to think about that or am I promoting, am I promoting corrosion by where I put it?
0: Um, yeah so yep. a, a perfect example of that is like a garage it's attached to your house and everything along those lines but the temperatures in garages can go up really high in the summertime yep. and most of the time they're not air conditioned um for it so you've got to worry about humidity but also too, at the same time it can get really cold in the winter times yep. and what happens when metal gets cold and you take it out they tend to attract moisture and such which yep. again um is one of those situations where you want to you want to think through what it takes to, uh, to set up safe, not only to prevent unauthorized access, but also to go along and, you know, make sure what you're storing in there will be stored, you know, whether that's, you know, guns, jewelry, you know, important paperwork, uh, all those, all those types of things and where it's gonna be, um, in my, in my basement, I've got a concrete floor and guess what? I can bolt my safes down to the floor. If I've, if I had it on the first floor, I'd have to bolt it to the, um, To the studs in the wall and into the floor to make sure somebody can't just uh, take off with it because and this is my thinking if somebody knows i've got guns and that's why they're breaking into the house they'll bring the tools they need in order to take off with them and you know the safe i have is not you know two thousand pounds where it's going to take a piece of machinery and move it it's one of those things where if you know you know two guys you know and a dolly um they could probably hoof it up the stairs um, yeah. themselves and you know if it was that important to them
1: so you bring up a good point too so how do people how do we tend to see what do we tend to see what are we protecting from obviously we're protecting access for loved ones that we don't want to uh from prying eyes prying hands people that aren't nefarious they're curious so kids, and mm-hmm. kids that's one way but we are protecting seeking to protect it from people who want to break burglar, steal all those different things uh so i mentioned earlier uh, you know, it sort of needs to be part of a multi-layer approach. Uh, you know, yeah, it's it's great if I have lighting, I have cameras, I have all these different things in my house. Again, if I live in an apartment, I'm limited on those things, but there's mm-hmm. other things that you can do. Where do I put it? So if you put it uh, in in a room, and you put it sort of centered up on a wall in a room, you literally just by the placing you have three to f- three. Well, I guess if you think about top and bottom, so not just four sides. So, but you've given somebody arguably four of the six sides with just easy access, not even trying the Mm -hmm. top, depending upon how big it is, the front and the two sides. So I can try and help with my multi multi multi-layer approach by doing things of stacking ammo cans next to it, or putting one side into the corner uh, of of a room, stacking something next to it. If it's your house, um, you can do different things uh, like uh, remodel just a tad and, Uh, build sort of a wooden frame or a wooden box around it, not for the purposes of somebody couldn't ever get in there, but if it's not easy access for them to access anything but the door, the door on purpose, both from marketing perspectives and from true ratings, the door tends to be one of the most protected areas Mm -hmm. on a lot of these safes. And so one we see a lot of times is, that the bad guys are trying to come at that from different ways. We tend to see three general ways that they're attacked. You mentioned one of them right there. They're moved. Like, you know what? If I can take my time, my leisure, where nobody's going to find what I'm doing that's nefarious, uh, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to pick it up and take it back to wherever I'm safe. Mm -hmm. Um, So you talked about the dehumidifier kits. Find out if your safe is is available to be bolted down. If that's something where you reside that's an option that you could do that, think about that uh, so that they can't move it or it's much harder to do. So they move it. That's one. They pry it. That's a second one. And or they cut it. Um, And usually this is no torch cutting. It's a cutting tool. We're not talking about like an acetylene torch because um, that's something pretty significant to bring with you, causes some attention, things of that nature. Try it. A, One of the things to think mm-hmm. about. Um door gap. Uh so what do I mean by door gap? You look at if you look at it, whether it's in a big box store, a specific uh specialty safe company, when you look at it, find how much space is between the door that's gonna swing out and the housing of that door around the sides. Can I get like a piece of paper in? Can I get my whole pinky finger in? Can I stick My cell phone sideways, the larger that gap is, the more that I provided a bad guy who wants to try and get in a pre-made pry point Mm -hmm. um, to be able to pry and pry it easier. Um, Again, if they don't have to go through a door, if they can pry around it, that's what they're going to do. And then, again, the idea of cutting it, if I can limit the access to the sides or the top just by placing, you know uh, that can really help me out.
0: Yeah. Here are two things that, uh, when you think about placement, um, try to go along and my personal opinion, try to conceal the safe itself, because here's one of those things, unless somebody sees you bring it in your house, they probably aren't going to know that you've got it, but how many times you're going to have friends, family, friends of friends over different things like that. And if it's right there in the middle of the living room, you are probably get the questions like, "Oh, you know what? Do you, what do you got in there? You know, some gold." And what are you going to tell them? No, not gold. Guns, or you're going to tell them, "Oh, yeah, that's full full of gun." Either way, if they tell somebody, tell somebody, all of a sudden you could potentially be a, become a target. Absolutely. Um, so you got you got to th- think about that. If it's back in the bedroom or in the basement, then it's a uh, one of the situations to where people aren't going to readily see it unless they're in your bedroom or in your basement. And here's the other thing, and this is. Uh, my my view of trying to figure out the right placement i try to place the gun safes in a position that if i had to go along and get to my safe room when i'm swinging the doors open they become a shield to me so if somebody's that determined to come after me and they're coming to my safe room i can swing those open i've got access to my firearms which you know good at that standpoint and at the same time they you know, short of them having you know bazooka or something along those lines, those safes are going to stop anything they're they're shooting at me and give me a, a upper upper hand on that and slow um, them down.
1: I love I love that idea and I just have this great visual of like a, a door, the safe of a door becoming a, a effectively like a a police shield. You know what I mean? And <laughs> and and you know, yeah, all doors are not made the same. There's a lot that goes into that, and I think there's a lot of, but the reality is it's better than the air that I would have there if I didn't have the, you know what I mean? Like it's something that's stopping and it's a physical barrier too. You know, so now I've placed an interposing piece of something. Somebody can't just easily run after me towards my safe room uh, or get at the family that is, that I've gotten my safe room. It's a really good point. I I love that. And
0: And it all depends upon where you're at, different things like that. You know, my, you know, guns that I, that I've got staged throughout the rest of the house are, you know, quicker access. Sure. You know, they're thinner. They're, you know, definitely, you know, quicker access because they're holding specific areas for specific reasons. But in the main area, you know, I make sure that, you know, safe room. If I'm going to be retreating to it, I've got a way of, uh, of getting behind something that is, um, yeah, very protective, you know, no matter what they're coming after me with. And at the same time, I've got the ability to go along and, uh, you know, respond, uh, with some, some heavy metal of my own. I'll uh, I'll put it that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. As we, as we've talked about, so we're talking too about things like protecting from prying eyes, um, protecting from bad guys. Uh, Something else that I think people need to be thinking of. And I think a lot of times there's, they just sort of see it on a door or on the safe and they, Oh, cool. They've somebody's thought about this great fire rating. So we're protecting Mm -hmm. it from prying eyes. We're protecting it from bad guys. What about, I mean, and I, this is horrible, I don't think like to think about this, but what about uh, a catastrophe to your house? Um, you know, and, and what is Blood, that?
0: Tornado fire earthquake. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of those. So yeah, I, I don't even know about watertight when it comes to those things. Uh, and you got to think you're different places that have different concerns. So, you know, we don't tend to, thankfully, we don't tend to deal with a lot of earthquakes here in Indiana. Um, but we're tornado alley. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. that anything's gonna stop me from my safe from getting picked up, or it'll pick up, you know, a John Deere tractor, you know. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but uh how do I help uh protect myself from fire? What are those options? Um the interesting thing is I researched and as I've done my my looking and, and investigating into the safes, there's not actually in the to my knowledge, in the industry, there's not an industry standard, there's not an outside entity that actually, unless we're talking about like some significantly beyond most of us, anybody that would listen to this, some significant business like bank safe, something of that nature. When we're talking about consumer safes, there's not an industry standard. There's not an outside agency that certifies on one standard what fire mm-hmm. ratings are. So as an example, I don't know we had mentioned this before. So Liberty Safes, uh, this is just one thing. You got to listen to the wording and what it talks about. A lot of these places, they're talking about how many minutes it is before it reaches a certain temperature inside the safe. It's rated up to a certain uh, temperature because uh, outside of fire, like 1400 degrees of fire, because then they're going to say, well, it took it's safe for 30 minutes because it's going to take 30 plus minutes before the inside of that safe with a 1400 degree fire outside gets to 350 degrees. Um, Because then we start having things warp, shape mold and i mean and then you got to think about too what you're storing in there if it's getting to 450 degrees or 480 degrees you've already have significant issues with firearms paper starts to spontaneously combust at that temperature Mm -hmm. so your safe your documents are not going to be safe in there at that point but back to liberty safes when they talk about how they get these ratings they liberty safes talk about they preheat their ovens that they test these things in you know, obviously massive type ovens, not th- not in our homes, but they preheat their ovens to 400, whatever these degrees are, you know, like we do, do in baking. And then they put the safe in, and then they start the clock. I know of other other safe companies where they stick the safe into the oven that they're going to test it, close everything up, start the temperature to start to warm up, and also start the timer. Well, that's not the same test mm-hmm. in the same categories. And so you really have to look at what's being said. Um, I talked to numerous firefighters because, you know, they're generally the guys that are uh, that are dealing with some of this stuff. Uh, and they ex- they said that you can expect, unfortunately, if it's a significant fire, when I'm talking about like a little bit where your home's still able to be lived in, just remodel a little bit because of smoke damage. If it's a significant residential fire, even not fully engulfed, not the whole home is burnt down, you can expect 1500 degrees very easily. And I don't know, I, again, I haven't pulled every safe company, but I don't know of a whole bunch of fire safes that actually rate themselves up to 1500 degrees for any amount of time. So don't expect and people need to manage their expectations. It's good to have fire safety, but don't expect your guns to come out of a fire in pristine condition just mm-hmm. because they were in the safe with fire safe.
0: Yeah. Which brings up one thing. Um, you know, kind of a little little bit of off topic, but for yep. people to think about when it comes to insurance for it, you know, yep. depending upon the guns you have uh, and everything, uh, you might want to look into specialized insurance to replace those. Or, yep. and here's some things to uh, think about too, you belong to the NRA, you belong to different uh, firearm uh, gun industry, Pro 2A, see what their member benefits are. Because I know from a NRA perspective, uh, I believe it's $1,000 for gun re- gun replacement for the annual member. And it's, don't quote me on this, but I think it's $10,000 for life members. So one, one of those things to where you go along and look at it and say, okay, if something does happen and I'm a NRA life member, all of a sudden I've got most, if not all my guns covered. Uh, you know, see see what your homeowners or renters policy will cover, also to make sure because that you know your agent can help you you know match things up uh, appropriately. Do you get more uh, coverage for it? Does it cover this or cover that? I mean, mo- some policies may not even co- cover firearms unless you declare them.
1: That's something really good to think about. A, I didn't know that. I need to research my NRA, NRA member benefits as as an endowment endowment or patron. I can't remember what when I stopped giving money, <laughs> upgrading those. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know about all those benefits. So something I need to look at, you mentioned your insurance. Yeah,
0: my, my brother actually got, got paid by the NRA one time when he had a firearm wow. stolen. So I do know they do. And their only requirement was a police report and they send you the check like two weeks later. So it's wow. not like a normal insurance to where we got to look at it. You got to return it to us. You've, we've got to get an appraisal and all this. It's like, no, they, they sent it to them, They send him the check a couple weeks later. It was uh, a, it was a, it was sadly lost it, but at the same time it was, they made it very good from an insurance coverage perspective.
1: Yeah. And then you mentioned insurance too. Uh, again, I, that's not, it's not my super knowledge or my bailiwick. Um, but just what a little I've looked into it, my basic uh, homeowners or renters insurance covers X amount, which as far as I'm concerned is very small. Maybe that's just because I have way too many guns. I don't know. Um, but it's relatively small amount and, Then you start looking at riders, riders Mm -hmm. to the insurance for specific things. And how much does that extra cost? And what do you need? It's a very, very good point that you mentioned that people need to be considering. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. It's um, getting a safe or some way to secure your firearms is a good thing. And uh, hopefully today with uh, everything we talked over, train combination types, um, you know, access to safe, safe types, uh, what you put in them where you put them, different things like that will get people thinking about it, especially when it comes to instructors securing their their own firearms, but also from the standpoint of become knowledgeable on these different points, because as instructors, you will have students coming to you and say, I just, you know, last week I went along and bought this firearm for a class. And, you know, I always go along and say, well, that's great. You know, we'll take you to the range. We'll teach you. What are your plans for going along and keeping it secured? Well, I've got a box for it. and go along, and you know they've already spent 500 bucks so you can't go along so well you go out and spend a thousand dollars on a safe you know they're you know they'll say i'll just take it back and you know sell it uh type of thing but you want to go along and say hey you know they do make these you know 30 40 dollar uh boxes that you can put them into that make it hard for anybody who's not determined to get into it i mean you know, as we said anybody who's determined can get tools can get torches, cutters, um, can drag it away, can do all kinds of stuff if they're determined. Um, You know, those guns in the homes, you know, the biggest ones we're trying to keep people away from are those little hands, those unauthorized people that are in our house.
1: And I think think one of the biggest ways, because we could spend, you know, three hours uh, on or more talking about all this stuff. I think one of the biggest things is take your time to start to learn about what's going on. You know we don't we don't really have time to get into all the gauges of steel, door gap uh, specifically door construction hinges or no hinges how are they made how is the construction of that how are they lined cross bolts crossbar I mean there's so much that we could go into. Don't be intimidated by it, don't shy away from it, but take some time to try and educate yourself and just know what you're getting into is is mm-hmm. the, my one of the things I just suggest as a takeaway.
0: Yep, definitely. for Well, Chris, thank you for, uh, all that information. Uh, very knowledgeable for it. And hopefully we got, we got the instructors and other listeners, uh, interested in checking out some safes and how to, uh, be a little better resource when it comes to uh, a safe selection. We got, we got a new question for you, um, in season six here. What do you want to be remembered for after you pass away?
1: Oh good lord! Can we go back to like what type of training I'd rather take? That's an easier <laughs> <course> question. <too.
0: laughs> We're getting deeper. We're in season six, and I thought it would be good for people to kind of uh, you know give instructors a little bit to think about because we've got a lot of influence on our students. And let's put it this way: um, hope, hopefully, you know, when I pass away, they're not going to remember me as the uh, bald guy who you know <laughs> taught taught pistols. You know, I've done i li- I've impressed upon them a little bit more than that because as instructors my influence won't end, you know, when I pass away. And even the instructors that I've taught, they've taught other people. It will go on for, for generations.
1: Amen. I think, uh, as we talk about that, what do I want to be remembered for both personally and professionally? So both me, Chris and Chris, as it is the practical guardian, uh, firearms teacher, coach, whatever you want to say. I think one of the one of the primary things I want to be, I'd like to be remembered for, or that I would like to have the investment of in other people, that was takeaway is serving others, uh, that people know that I cared enough to listen, um, and get to know them, learn about them, and find out what their needs are, so that I can help meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think there's so much that we need. I, again, I see it in my job. We see it as instructors that it's not just we're not just dealing with a tool we're not just dealing with a gun ultimately we're dealing with people and that's the most valuable thing you know guns we can replace we're talking about safes and and hiding things here not hiding things but securing things all that stuff can be replaced um at the end of the day a person can't Mm -hmm. um and so i i guess i'd I'd really want to be i want to be remembered for investing in people um being uh, a service enough to care, uh, love on them, whatever that means to you. You know, I mean, I care enough about them to take time to listen, and then being able to pass on some helpful information as well as part of that caring um, that I took time to invest in them. Great,
0: that is uh, really good, and um, hopefully, everybody gets a lot out of our guest in season six for this question i try to always uh, change up the question each season and like you said you know previous one was you know what training are you taking uh this one decided to go a little bit deeper and get people you know thinking about a little bit more about okay what do i want to be you know remembered for because none of us are going to be here forever
1: you're making me be a philosophizer Jeez. yes <laughs>
0: well chris where can people find out what you're doing with the uh, practical guardian and such and if they want to find out classes that you're t- you're teaching
1: yeah absolutely So. um it's pretty easily uniform across the board. My website is the practicalguardian.com Um, the practical at gmail.com. They can reach out to me that way. I'm the practical guardian on Instagram on Facebook. I'm the practical guardian. Uh, all of those, they can search through, through that way. Um, I, I do have a. Uh, I am a USCCA instructor, so they can also find me on the USCCA portal. They're searching for instructors there. Um, uh, I'm an NRA a certified instructor, but honestly, I need to know more about the portal and, and, and how people find uh, people on there. So um, I couldn't, couldn't help them out with that. But and and the biggest thing for me too, um whether people come to a class of mine or not with reach out to me at that practical guardian at gmail.com and just ask your questions. You know, nobody needs to pay to, to, to ask questions or anything like that. And Let's get you the information you need. Let's get you in touch with somebody that's helpful for you. And if I'm not in your area or if you need somebody else, let's get you connected with people. Whether it's Rob, whether it's some of our other guests that have been on. Uh, let's get you connected that way. So uh, that's that's the quick and dirty how people can reach out to me and and get a hold of me.
0: Super. Well, Chris, you have a good day, and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Rob. That's a wrap for this episode. Hope you found the information useful and don't forget to share it with a friend. Help us help more instructors by giving us a five-star review, your favorite podcast app. This helps other instructors find us and take advantage of our content. If you're searching for information to help your business, don't forget to use our website and search all episodes there. Just go to www.farmtrainerpodcast.com and search in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. If you have any suggestions, questions for me, you can reach me on the website by putting comment there or by email at ftp.concealedcarry.com. Don't forget the other Concealed Carry uh, network of podcasts, the original Concealed Carry podcast, and also the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. Visit our sponsors, Special Farm Trainers Association, ftaprotect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. Establishing a business was your first step. Your next step should be getting FTA coverage. Listeners, receive 10% off at checkout by entering promo code FTP10. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone.